Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Pandemic Ash Wednesday. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so Ash Wednesday was actually, I think, the very first podcast we ever did. You're right. This is like our five-year anniversary-ish. <laughs> I know. So it's been a while. So let's start with a little bit of recap for <laughs> just what Ash Wednesday is. And I bet if anybody goes back and actually listens to that podcast, we should just point out that we recorded that. I don't even know what we were recording on. My phone. Straight to your phone? Straight to with, my phone with, with the headphone splitter. <laughs> yeah vastly different than our audio quality now, which is also different than our audio quality (laughs) almost a year ago when we were recording in our studio rather than via the internet because of pandemic. What a trip. All right. So Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is the first day that kicks off the Lenten season for denominations that follow the liturgical calendar. And it is a day where we gather together in order to remember that we are mortal. Now, for those who may not necessarily have a religious bend, I'm also going to throw out to you that this is the day that follows Fat Tuesday. Yes. So Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, because Lent has traditionally been a time of fasting Mm -hmm. and a time when you give something up, historically that's been a tradition, Fat Tuesday is the day then, or Pancake Shrove Tuesday, some folks may know it as Shrove Tuesday, Mm -hmm. that you use up all the fat that's in your house. So you make a lot of pancakes, you can do a lot of baking, basically generally massively indulge before you begin a fasting time. Mm -hmm. And Ash Wednesday is determined by the date of Easter. Which is a mover. It is a mover. It moves all over the place because it's based on the moon and not on our calendar date. And so it's based on the moon and the spring solstice. Mm -hmm. And so with that being movable, Ash Wednesday moves. This year it will be on February 17th, which is super duper early. It is super early. So Ash Wednesday is a particular service that I'm assuming in the Lutheran tradition, it usually is an evening service. Having grown up Catholic, that service, they would do as many as possible on the hour or the half hour to get people their ashes. Yeah, lots of traditions do it at different times. So I have in Lutheran churches sometimes done a noon time, a lunchtime service. There were many years here in Portland where we would go to the park and offer ashes to go and offer them in the park for people who were there. So in my ministry, we have oftentimes had a 7 p.m. worship service because that's when people could get there Mm -hmm. from work and that kind of a thing. And so we'd have an evening service. But there are plenty of people who would go to morning mass or something like that and then wear your ashes all day Mm -hmm. as a part of the observance of the day. Chances are we'll see President Biden with some ashes on his head this year. Yeah, he's an incredibly devout Catholic, that's for sure. Yep. So then what did that service typically look like? Because it's not going to look the same this year. No. So historically, it begins with a pretty significant confession. Okay. And 
part of it is that, again, it's tied into this penitential season. And depending upon the tradition, depends upon how penitential it can really, really get. But oftentimes it begins with a pretty substantial confession and forgiveness between the congregation and the pastor and a back and forth. And then there are readings, sermon, and an invitation into Lent with receiving of the imposition or the placement of ashes on your forehead. And then oftentimes communion, a blessing, and we depart. So it feels very similar to a Sunday service as far as what happens in the order with this addition of the ashes. Now, what we've done at Central the last several years has looked a little bit different. We found an order of worship that the whole thing, in a way, is a confession. Okay. And we go through the litany. And if you remember the Freedom from Fear year. I do. And we can link to those podcasts because I know we did one. It was super memorable. And so that service that we found and rewrote and that fasting from fear mantra came through, that's what we've used the last three or four years, I think. I'm looking at it today, uh, hopefully by the end of the day, to get it rewritten for this year. Because I think that we have such distinctive things to list and to add into a confession this year Mm -hmm. that we're going to take a look at it to see if we can freshen up the language on it a little bit and contextualize it a little bit more and have it just a little stronger within our own current crises that we see before us, Mm -hmm. racial inequities, the pandemic, climate justice, the economic crisis, the things that we face as a country together and our participation in them and our responsibility to help our entire community find the way through. So we'll take a look at that. But it again, it has this kind of confession that is the bulk of it. So there's not a sermon. The readings kind of weave through it. And then we'll have the imposition of ashes and communion. So, you know, that's the thing. For most Catholics, especially my parents, if you can't get that mark on your forehead, it's not going to feel like Ash Wednesday. And Mm -hmm. obviously in this currently raging pandemic, that's not really possible or even suggested. I'm going to use that term for lack of a better one because of the whole touching thing, spreading of germs. So what are you going to do this year? Well, lots and lots of pastors and lots of religious leaders have been trying to figure this out for months because we're not supposed to be touching one another. We're not supposed to be that close to one another. So it has absolutely been a question. About a month ago, maybe a little bit less, a company called Old Lutheran. I don't know if you're familiar with the website. I am. A website for Lutheran pride, but not too much pride. It sounds about right. (laughs) So Old Lutheran, who have been doing a lot of work in the last five years to try to figure out how to honor the cultural heritage of Lutheranism, but also how to not assume that every Lutheran is a white Scandinavian origin individual. That is a tough line to skate. Right? And they've been working and they've been called out a ton for colonial language and behaviors and all kinds of an erasure of our people of color within our denomination Mm -hmm. and heritage. And so they've really been working. So I want to lift that up, that Old Lutheran has been doing the work. 
And one of the things is, is that they're being almost more responsive to the things that they're seeing within the denomination and the things that they're hearing. They have a unique role that they can play. They're not our publishing house, Mm -hmm. but they can supply supplies. And so about a month ago, a little bit less, they kind of posted in the ELCA clergy Facebook page, hey, we're thinking about making a product. Would any of you be interested if we made individual baggy packets of ashes for four people and with a little card with instructions Mm -hmm. to go with it, would any of you be interested for it for Ash Wednesday? And about everybody raised their hands and crashed the website? Pretty much. (laughs) And said, (laughs) they're like, how many would you be interested in so we could see if this is reasonable? And then they were clear, there will be no bulk discounts. We pay our people above minimum wage. This is fast turnaround. And this is hard and tedious work that will be done by hand by our people in-house. So no bulk discounts. They will be this much per packet per ash. Are you interested? And tons of us came back with, yep, I want to, I want 75. I want 36. Mm -hmm. I want 200. We chimed in with, we want 115. Mm -hmm. And so we ordered 115 of these and we are mailing them out relatively locally. So not to our international folks that we sent candles to. But to folks that are here local and have been attending regularly during worship. And then we created a mailing to go with it with everything to fit to mail with one stamp. Nice. So everyone should be receiving their mailing with a letter from me explaining how to do ashes, how to do the cross, what a good mix is. Sure, (laughs) sure, sure. To be able to figure it out, tips of the trade, and then why we do this and what it's about, and then a short service if you're doing it alone and you're not able to make it to worship via Zoom with us at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. And that is currently in the hands of envelope stuffers who will be stuffing the envelopes and getting them in the mail this week so everybody has them by next week. Nice. Yeah. And the thing with it is is that it's sometimes hard to understand what the connection between an ash cross on our forehead has to do with our faith practice. But the ash cross on our forehead makes visible on this day of the year, what it is echoing, what it is making visible is the sealing of the Holy Spirit that happens. And I'm like drawing on my forehead as I'm saying this, because people can totally see that via podcasting. Absolutely. (laughs) It makes visible the cross that is placed upon someone's forehead during their baptismal rite. So there's the moment in the baptismal rite after the water has happened, but before you get your candle, where the pastor will place a cross on your forehead and say, you have been marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. And when we look at the overall baptismal rite, it begins with, we had the conversation on the podcast about renouncing. Mm -hmm. And so we renounce the devil. We renounce the evil that defies God. We renounce those things. And so in It begins with a casting out of evil from our person. And then we have the cleansing rite of the water. And then we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And that's the process of this. And then the commissioning to go forward Mm -hmm. in faith. The ashes on our forehead on Ash Wednesday make visible 
that ceiling, that promise. It's that in-between from the time of our baptism until our funeral, when the promises of our baptism have come to fruition, that God's presence is with us even past death. In between, we have Ash Wednesday, where we are reminded that we are on our way to death and that that is inevitable. And through this entire journey, God is present with us and holds us and seals us. And so we begin this in the same way that Jesus is baptized and then is immediately taken out into the desert. And that is what our 40-day Lenten journey parallels is his time in the desert immediately following his baptism. And so we recall our baptism, that we have been marked with this cross. Now we can see it, (laughs) and we remember it is with us even as we journey towards death. And so what is the work that is to be done in this in-between time? And how do we do this as people of faith? And Lent is a time where we can focus in and commit ourselves to remembering the practices of faith and how we do it, how we live it, and not just kind of carry it and let it sort of exist in our lives, but practice it. Do you get a lot of pushback from people when you have to go to these measures of sending candles or sending ashes? Do they just want to scrap the whole thing? Or has the feedback mostly been positive when it comes to the pandemic changes that have had to happen? We are very blessed that within our community, it's been well-received. There are many other congregations that are very much struggling with this. And I have no doubt there are people who continue to struggle with this. I will say that Ash Wednesday, it is hard. And I hesitated strongly until, for one, there was someone else who would make the individual tiny little packets of ashes, (laughs) which God... Bless them. (laughs) But it's also my protective nature that I know what it feels like to mark my beloved community with that cross. I've been doing it for 15 years, and there is never a year where it is not hard. There is never a year when I mark the foreheads or the wrists or the hands, depending upon the comfort of the person, because I will mark wrists and hands for folks who just can't handle Mm -hmm. or don't want the cross on their forehead. Because I also sign and seal people's noses and mouths and hands and feet and hearts. Mm -hmm. When you do the baptisms. When I do the baptisms. So in that case, I say it's hard because inevitably someone that I mark that year, I will do the funeral. So I am eminently aware in that moment or imminent whatever awareness I'm completely aware in that moment of the mortality of the people that I love and it's a lot and usually after the service on Ash Wednesday I go do something by myself I go do something quiet (laughs) on internship I went to McMenamin's Mm -hmm. and sat with another fellow clergy person with the crosses on our foreheads in our solid blacks and ate a big hamburger, right? Mm -hmm. Like something to both remember that we were alive, but also to recognize that this is a hard thing to do. So it took me a while to be willing to send the ashes out because y'all are going to be marking your families. Yeah. If you take it that deep. Yeah. Which I both hope people do. And I worry that they do. Yeah. Had you considered some other 
or additional form where as a part of the service or somehow during the day you could do either breakout rooms or individual families and have be there when they mark themselves more specifically? I hadn't considered that, but that's a really interesting idea. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not to say that I couldn't, because I could probably set up a Zoom room and invite people if they would like to schedule something that they could come and meet for that. But I can't do it, right? Like I can't. It's not ever going to be exactly the same. (laughs) No, but at least you're bringing a little more of an individual touch to it rather than the, you know, Brady Bunch looking Zoom screen. (laughs) And during the service, what we have planned will be a time when people will be placing the ash and blessing each other during the service. Okay. There will be music playing and people will do this for each other. There's time set aside during the Mm -hmm. actual service for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in that way, the difference is, is that I'm not the one placing the ash. It will happen in the same point in the service. It will happen if people use my advice on how to do ashes, it will happen in the same way. Mm -hmm. But it's just that it will be loved ones marking loved ones instead of coming through the line and receiving your cross from the pastor and then receiving communion from servants. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. With this very different version where people are marking their loved ones within their group or potentially marking themselves, Mm -hmm. what do you hope that they get from that experience that they haven't necessarily would have gotten when you do it for them? That's a great question. I think, for one, it's another breakdown between the hierarchy of lay and ordained, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's another opportunity to say that these practices, these faith practices are not contained in a building. They are not owned by pastors. These are faith practices that are completely available to each and every person wherever and whenever they are. You don't have to show up in a church to remember God's promise and to be intentional about faith practice for 40 days. You can show up within community to do those things. And that gives a a power to it that I think can be very important, but it's not required. And I do hope that in some ways it offers an opportunity for folks. And and part of the argument people have had about not doing ashes this year, like Mm -hmm. some folks have been saying, let's just not do ashes at all. We've spent an entire year painfully aware of mortality. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this again? Watching an actual death toll grow and grow just terrifying and and with great grief, right? So why would we do this? And then there's the other perspective of it, of saying, we have to do this this year. Of all years, Mm -hmm. we need to give some kind of tools for reckoning with the reality of mortality. And so I think that wherever people find themselves in their experience with it, if all they experience is, oh, so that's how they do it. They put oil on a cotton ball and then they put their thumb in the ashes. Well, that's interesting, right? If that's all people learn, that's all people learn. That's fine. Okay. But I think that because it takes away the mystery, it takes away like the ability for people to be self-empowered, right? Mm -hmm. Or it gives the ability for people to be self-empowered to figure those little tips and tricks out. But if one person looks at their loved one, marks them with God's love and recognizes their mortality and spends one day of the next 40 more deeply appreciating that their beloved is alive, 
because of the experience of marking them with the cross, mm-hmm. completely worth it. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about our upcoming pandemic Ash Wednesday. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for joining along. If you are not on our regular mailing list but would like to know more about how to do this, if you're not going to receive ashes from us but would like to know more about how you might be able to do this, please feel free to email me at pastor at centralportland.org and I will send you instructions on how to make some ash and how to use it safely. And we will look forward to being back in your ears again. Until that day, remember, God loves you no matter what.